This is Transistor.fm. Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in 2018. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson. I'm a product and marketing guy. Follow along as we build Transistor.fm and Spots.fm. Uh, I like that reminder to build Spots.fm. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a thing that you keep thinking about. I still, I have your, I have your, uh, your sketch you drew me yeah portland with me on the back of a napkin uh yeah it's some piece of paper i don't know what it is actually yeah it's not quite a napkin it's true some piece of paper we found so we this is our second try uh doing this episode we we had one was it yesterday we were recording and yeah i got booted out of a room and i couldn't find another one and then i had another meeting and so here we are again starting over here we are again. And we were actually kind of on fire in that episode, so we were debating whether we were going to include it or not include it. At the very least, I think we'll post it for our Patreon supporters, who are... This is good. That's, a, that's called a segue. <laughs> that's a good segue. Uh, we have Kevin Markham. We have Adam Duvander. And David... Oh, what's his... Junta? Junta, you got it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much to the, to those folks. Um, yeah, this Patreon thing's been a real kind of surprise. We just put the link into... Well, Transistor has a special place to put a, a Patreon link. And how does it work again? Some players will show a, a, a special icon. Uh, yes. So at, at the least, Overcast will show a dollar sign icon uh, in the interface. If you're listening to an episode that has a special HTML tag in the show notes, and I also noticed if you look at our at our show notes in Overcast, um, the actual link that says "support us on Patreon" is green. Oh yeah, yeah, I noticed that too. And I don't know if any other players also support that. I maybe they'll pick up on it and start doing it. Yeah, I've heard Breaker is going to. If you are on Overcast right now, scroll to the bottom and you'll see there's a green link in there in the show notes for the show. Yeah, it's kind of a cool thing that Marco's done. I just started my own personal Patreon. I and I did it because I want to I was I I just wanted to experiment with it. It was something that I saw other people using and I always kind of wrote it off. But lately I've been thinking, you know, no matter what happens in my life, I want to keep writing and I want to keep podcasting. So if Transistor works out, great. I want to do that. If, if um, you know, if this makes a billion dollars, that's great. But no matter what, I want to keep writing and I want to keep podcasting. In order to do that for a long time and to be able to do it vulnerably um, and honestly... I was like, I should try Patreon out because that just seems like the place where people support the content that they love, right? Sounds fair. Yeah, give it a shot. It's been going well, though. And well, it's been surprising. I mean, it's, it's just like anything else. I think you have to, uh, it, it's not something that you turn on, even for someone like me that has, you know, I've got a, a fair size audience. It's not something that just 
you know, all of a sudden uh, I'm making $20,000 a month on Patreon. But uh, so I'm expecting it to build over time. But as I was thinking about it, I was like, man, what's interesting about Patreon, because I support people on Patreon as well, is it feels different than Kickstarter, even though they're both crowdfunding. For example, I, I supported this band. Um, there's this old punk rock band called MXPX, and I, I supported their Kickstarter. And it was like, I'm glad that I supported it. The, you know, I wanted the album to come around. And so the album, you know, it was a Kickstarter for their album. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, man, I would love to support the band on Patreon because I kind of just want to be an insider. I mm-hmm. like the, the, I got their album, you know, I could have downloaded their album as a part of the Kickstarter, but I never did because I can just listen to it on Apple Music. I don't care about that as much. What I care about is, you know, I want kind of the inside look into their life, into their business, into their music. And if there was a way for me to support them monthly and kind of get that look and get, you know, support them in an ongoing way, I think I would. And that seems to be kind of the advantage of of Patreon is you get this, I mean, everyone um, manages it differently, but you get this kind of behind the scenes look. Yeah. And obviously I've never been in a band, but it seems like at a certain point, Patreon, I mean, if they were making a certain amount of money, then they wouldn't, you know, it sounds like being in a band is this grind of touring and releasing an album and recording and maybe not making that much money on an album. Mm -hmm. Maybe it would lessen some of that and you could, they could kind of support themselves and, and record their music a little more freely. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Who knows? But yeah. I think all of this stuff, I I mean, obviously with you and I building Transistor, I've been thinking about all of these things more and more. And really, it's all crowdfunding. (laughs) Like you're, you're, you're always getting your funding from somewhere. And it, you know, sometimes it's customers and investors. Sometimes it's (laughs) just investors. Sometimes it's, you know, it's all crowdfunding. And I don't know, maybe in the past I had this idea of like, ah, Patreon, that's just like, you know, for donating to things. And I'm realizing now that it's actually a lot more than that. And, you know, like there's this one uh, comic I, I support on Patreon. I mean, I'm paying to get the comic, but I'm paying for like this whole other experience as well. And I'm also paying because I just want to see his good work continue. Right. Yeah. But that's no different than you or I paying for like an, a, a mobile app that we really like. No, it just probably more of it goes to the creator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. I think that's, yeah, that's the point. I suppose. That's the point. Like the, at the end of the day, people are producing work, whether it's an app or software or writing or music. And we as the customer are paying so that the good work continues. People always get upset when, when their favorite app gets acquired and shut down. We're always like, man, why couldn't you just 
ask me to pay because I would way rather you continue than not. Likewise, you know, there's a, I have some writers that if I knew they were going to stop writing, I would, I would be like, okay, well, we got to figure this out because I want the good work to continue, right? Absolutely. Um, okay. So that's Patreon. Yeah, really interesting. Last week, we talked about the one metric that matters. And we were thinking that maybe our one metric for Transistor is MRR. Yeah, I think that's where we ended up. I, there's a, some people that responded to that episode that said, you know, maybe that shouldn't be our one metric. Uh, for example, Adam Wathen sent me a message and said, I wonder if MRR is a little bit of a cop-out for you folks because, you know, that, of course, you're a software-as-a-service business. Um, you know, you want to increase monthly recurring revenue. That, that's what every web application wants to do, right? Yeah. And so he thought we should focus on increasing downloads because we're a podcast application and what our customers want is downloads. And so if we make that our North Star metric, the one thing that we're trying to increase every month, in his mind, more downloads means more success for our customers, means more potentially more customers for us, Etc. Yeah, what do you what do you think about that idea? Uh, I think it's that's it's an interesting idea. I mean it it doesn't necessarily correlate into more customers. I don't think, but it could. I mean, it depends. If we have one like runaway hit that uses our service, then our downloads are going to spike, and that's not necessarily good for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, uh, considering bandwidth is our number one our number one expense, but. Uh, it could be a good metric to focus on. I mean, it's a it's a a number you can see grow. It's a, a graph you can see increase over time. Mm-hmm. Um, it obviously means if it's going up that, or maybe like averages per month go up, not necessarily total downloads, but averages per month go up. It means that there's more people listening and there's probably more episodes, which means there's more customers. That's right. Yeah, and those are kind of the things I said too. I, the, I, on one hand... You know, that could be true, like if we increase downloads, but, you know, we have some customers that, you know, they could increase their downloads quite a bit and it wouldn't result in more revenue. Um, and so, I don't know, I'm not sure. I It's, it's tricky. Um, it'd be interesting, you know, what companies like Vimeo and Wistia, who are in the video business, what they use. Yeah, there's uh, someone in the live chat here that's saying, you know, maybe look at the dynamics that occurred with, he's saying vid.me. I'm not sure, I'm not familiar with them, but, you know, there's other businesses out there that are similar to ours in the video hosting space, in the, you know, obviously there's lots of podcast hosts, but also in the web hosting space. This is all, they're all similarities. And so... There might be something we could look at there. Uh, by the way, if you are in the video hosting space and you have some insights for us, <laughs> reach out. My DMs are open. M I Justin on Twitter. The letter M, the letter I, Justin. The one problem is that you don't really know what's going on with those other companies. And so on the outside, they could look really successful. But on the inside, they could be like, we have this one really popular show 
and it costs us so much money in right. bandwidth and we're not making any money on it and it's really stressful. Yep. Yeah, that could happen. Um, some of them, I mean, we're obviously bootstrapping this, but some of them might have funding and they can just push for that number, not really worry about it for a while. Hope that increasing a certain number of downloads or whatever it may be ends up generating customers and then they can cash out and sell their customer base and then shut the service down <laughs> or whatever. But yeah, yeah, that's a tricky one. Yeah. Yeah. This vid.me that someone just suggested in the, uh, in the chat, if you go to that page, it says goodbye for now. They've, it says vid.me has moved on to another dimension and it sounds like they're, the problem they ran into is that they used too much bandwidth and so they just couldn't they just couldn't compete right yeah i mean it's it's uh it's to some extent a race to the bottom of giving away s as much as you can while charging less and less money mm -hmm. so you're competing with you know youtube and vimeo and these large companies that are either pub public or well-funded or profitable i mean vimeo i don't i think they're still private right I, I, yeah, I'm not sure. It, it's actually, it's, it's, uh, aroused my curiosity because I want to go like, check that out now. How, how is Vimeo doing? What are they doing? Uh, are they, yeah, I can't remember if they're private. Wistia might be private. I think m maybe it was Wistia that just did a buyback. Oh, maybe. Uh, a debt buyback, I think. Yeah. Video startup Wistia to buy out investors with $17 million in debt. Hmm. Just happened. So yeah, that's uh, that's what Ben is saying here in the chat too. Yeah, they just bought their investors out. So wow, uh, you know, there's all there's all sorts of different models, and it, it's why you can't really look at your customer, uh, your your competitors, because who knows? Who knows how well Libsyn is doing or any of those other competitors we have? Right. We don't know. Uh, we can yeah, we can guess. We can say oh, they've been around a long time. They probably have a lot of customers. Uh, but who knows? I don't know what their financials are. Mm -hmm. They have probably a large team. And the other thing we don't have in podcasting is there are no publicly traded podcast hosting companies. I, I don't think there is anyway. No, I don't think so. And so we can't look at the the financials. Right. So hmm. I love it when people reach out after shows. Like Adam was just like, hey, I think you he, he wanted to push back against these things that we were saying. Um, wait, someone's saying Libsyn is public. No way. Oh, wait, they are public. Really? They're on the stock exchange. What the heck? No kidding. Okay, we got to check into this. This is this is the advantage of real time. People can check our facts for us. <laughs> this is this is uh, liberated syndication. Yeah, they they're public, so we should be able to see their financials. Then I think so. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not live here on the the podcast, but their their stock price is a dollar sixty four. I had no idea. Wonder when they. I wonder when they filed for that. Sure yeah, we'll find that out too. Yeah, we'll find that out. We'll report back. But that is cool. We're gonna be. We will be able to check out their revenue reports and everything. Yeah, cool. Love it. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks for that insight. I do appreciate it when people. Uh, message us after and give us some pushback and say, have you thought about this? You know, maybe you're not, you're not, maybe MRR shouldn't be your one true metric. And, uh, and maybe Adam's right. Like maybe it shouldn't be, but 
on the other hand, maybe downloads shouldn't be our, our metric either. Uh, we also had uh, feedback from Daniel, who said, Justin should just get out and sell. <laughs> uh, so start the marketing machine up start he's like come on justin you're you lazy ass you should be you should be pulling your pulling your weight if you want to increase your numbers you've got to turn on the selling machine use your network to get into big companies and find the people who are in charge of pr sell them on the idea of podcasting not on podcast hosting Guide them through how to start up a podcast, what kind of equipment they should use, teach them about content, how to market their podcast, where to host your podcast is such a trivial thing. That's not the barrier. That's not the barrier to entry. By the way, I agree with you so far, Daniel. My hypothesis is that companies like IBM or Microsoft or even Procter & Gamble have never even thought about having a podcast. They're old and outdated. That's uh, actually incorrect. <laughs> we know uh, we, there are entire companies like Pacific Content uh, that are doing work with all of those companies to help them produce branded podcasts. Yeah. So, well, we had an interesting conversation with Dan Meisner about this very thing. Um, John Buddha almost didn't make it through this conversation. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my introversion was, was catching up with me. I needed to go sit in a corner. <laughs> but, um, you know... Dan has a lot of experience um, producing content for big brands. And I asked him, I said, you know, what kind of brands are you working with? It is all the big brands. All the big brands are thinking about podcasting. And uh, partly because it's a hot topic right now. Uh, partly because, you know, a lot of PR people are thinking about it. You know, uh, a lot of uh, management and CEOs are listening to shows. So... It is that there it the the wheels are turning in corporate America. Yeah, I think it's it's still a relatively inexpensive uh, advertising method. That's right. Compared to their other multi million dollar campaigns. That's right. Uh, one thing Dan did say though is this this kind of education that um, that Daniel is talking about here. You know where you're you're trying to go out and convince them to sell them on the idea of podcasting. The problem with that, according to Dan and other people I've talked to, is if these people are not already in motion, if there's not someone on their team that has already decided that we are going to start a podcast, that is a very difficult road for you as a singular entity to go out and try to convince people yeah. to start something that they didn't even know they wanted five minutes ago, especially if they're not already into podcasts. Yeah. And it, and especially if the thing you're selling isn't, I mean, it's not, we're not selling a terribly expensive product. So that I think feel like the time that you would put into selling a company on starting a podcast and hosting with us, you'd have to sell something else. Otherwise it would not, well, I don't think it'd be worth your time. That's yeah. Yeah. We would have to get into production, which we're not we're not opposed to anything, but there is a, um, well, now I'm going to have to think of this article. Uh, I think it's a Paul Graham essay. When Next time John Buddha talks, I'll look this up on the internet. But basically, <laughs> <laughs> basically the, the, the idea is the more things you add to your company, the more things that you do, the 
more difficult your business model becomes. So one of the reasons from the beginning I was interested in splitting spots and transistor is I want them to be two separate companies that have to stand on their own legs. We don't want transistor to get too complex. And if spots is ever going to be a, a business, then it has to stand on its two legs too. Right. And the more things you add, if you say, well, now we're in podcast production. Well, now we're in podcast advertising. Well, now we're also in, you know, if you add too many things, especially early on, that can be a, a recipe for disaster. Uh, and we know like Panoply uh, in the podcast news just got out of content distribution and they're doubling down on dynamically inserted ads. They've got software that does that. On the flip side, MailChimp, which has been around forever and has made a lot of money, they are now rebranding as a total marketing company that's not just going to do email. Right. Uh, what, do you, what did you think of that rebrand, by the way? I thought it was interesting. I mean, it was... I didn't read their whole like white paper, but uh, I liked it. I mean, they're always doing something different. Yeah. Uh, although um, uh, Kyle Fox, I think Kyle Fox was the one who said uh, there's a lot of similarities between postmarkapp.com and the new oh. MailChimp. Uh, that the yellow is almost identical. Uh, <laughs> if you if you look at both of them, they're yeah. I didn't even notice that. They're they're pretty pretty similar. So. <laughs> Let I mean, yeah, let's we don't need to s split hairs over that, but uh, right. All of this to say, we are thinking about some of that stuff. Um the one thing that Daniel's um message to me did kind of inspire. I think I got this on LinkedIn actually. <laughs> I actually checked LinkedIn and got a a, 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 a a chat message there. Uh the the one thing it did inspire me to think about was, you know, I think I could set some, and we talked about this a bit in the episode, but I could set some targets to say, let's try to get, you know, five new customers a day or, you know, five new trials a day or, you know, what have mm -hmm. you. So, oh, <laughs> this is funny. Ben is saying um, just <laughs> about this postmark uh, MailChimp thing. He's saying we have a yellow website as well. So now we have to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> Only one company can use that color. Our, to be fair, our, our yellow is a little bit more orangey. It's, it's true. If you go, folks, I want, this is your homework. I want you to go to MailChimp.com. I want you to go over to our friends at PostmarkApp.com. And then I want you to go to Transistor.fm. The Transistor FM yellow, it is ours. No one else can take that. What? Let me, let me grab the... Uh, I'm just going to grab my color picker here. It is... Um, F B C seven five D. We own that. I forget what. Uh, yeah, our um, Dylan, our, our our designer that helped out here, uh, he named it something. Oh, really? We have our own. Like the 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 hue has. I believe our... he did. Hold on, I got it here. Hot hot mic. Hot mic. Hot mic. Hot mic. Is it hot mic yellow? Hot mic yellow. Like yeah. Nice. Not, like microphone. Nice. <laughs> I like it. Hot, yeah, hot. all the all the colors, all the colors are uh, named after recording related words. Hot mic. We got blackout, which is our like bluish, blackish color. Light gray. Uh, that's whatever. 
on air, live wire, ultraviolet. Yeah. Sweet. That was actually a good investment. That was one of the... Yeah. This was expensive, but we have a whole style guide that Dylan did for us. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was good, but it was, you know, it's, you, you give someone the, the, uh, give someone the power and the sort of freedom to just go take a, take your idea and do what they want with it, which is ultimately going to be much different than what you, um, thought about. That's, uh, so that was, that was Daniel's response. And yeah, I think, I think I could, I think I could start giving myself some personal goals to increase the number of customers we get yeah. every month. I think I think your concern with that earlier was, are we ready to do that? Yeah. Like we're getting customers and it's a lot of word of mouth, but are we ready to really like push for that? Mm-hmm. Like ready, you know, is the platform ready? Are we ready to support those customers, with, you know, customer support? And I think that's still an open-ended question. Exactly. There, there's tension between all of these things. And um, so on one hand, it's great getting all this feedback and insight and ideas from folks who are listening right now. Uh, But on the other hand, there's always on this side of the microphone, there's all of these other tensions. And it's difficult as someone who's building a company to know when are you just being wrong (laughs) and when are you actually just responding in a correct way to the reality as it is right i don't know i mean if you've got an idea about that let us know i don't i don't oh i don't i don't know if the, the audience does yeah i mean it's uh yeah more mmr more customers more downloads would be great but that's gonna lead to more support requests (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think there's things we could smooth out to make, to make the app a little simpler and, uh, more straightforward. So we get less support requests, but yeah, yeah. it's, it's hard to figure all this stuff out. It is. By the way, uh, we, we just crossed two major milestones. One over 6 million downloads on transistor so far. Nice. That is incredible. John, if we had a dollar for every download we got on Transistor, we would. Uh? Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> we would have six million dollars. That that's what we got to figure out. How can we get a dollar every time someone downloads a podcast? Hmm. I'm not sure that I'm not sure that would take off. Who would pay for that? There's probably, I I mean, the other thing I was thinking about today, this is a complete aside, businesses that sell credits and reloadable credits are brilliant. Uh, Do you have the Starbucks app on your phone? I do not. Okay. Uh, I actually, I don't even go to Starbucks. Well, I do. Starbucks is not my primary coffee shop. Let me say that. Uh This... um, I got to be careful about how much I show, but uh, this app on my phone reloads every time I drop below $25. And it's it's just kind of, once you're in the habit of using it, um, you know, I use it when I travel at airports and things like that. It's just a no-brainer. And when it reloads, I don't, 
I'm not thinking like, right. Oh, well, I, it, it's, it's like a subscription that's based on usage. <laughs> and, but they're sitting on your money all the time and they're making money on that money. Well, and, and it, but it reloads automatically. So it, right. it's got so, some of the benefits of, of SaaS. Uh huh. But, and there's other businesses like this too. Like, uh, well, Postmark, I think they do, yeah, you get, certain amount of emails per month and then price per extra emails. So they're kind of like a combination of the, of both. What other credits are there? Uh, credit company. So there's, well, there's a lot of games that do that, but they do it in a sneaky way where you have to buy packages of credits, but nothing you can buy in the game is the same price or like divisible by the same amount. So you always have leftover credits and then you have to buy more credits. It's like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like you buy 2,000 credits and something costs like 1,500 credits and then there's nothing that costs 500 credits. Yeah. But there's something that costs 600 credits. Yes. Yeah. Like every <laughs> single iOS game made for children. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's smart, but it's it's tricky. Did I, want, did I tell you about the time I spent $350 on Smurf berries? <laughs> no. It sounds like you're doing drugs, but I don't know. <laughs> I didn't spend this. But back when the when the... Uh, iPad was new. We had the first, um, you know, the, one of the, the first iPad, there was that Smurf game and they didn't have any protections for buying, um, you know, in-app purchases. Yeah. And my son, who was, you know, whatever, six or seven, bought $350 worth of Smurf berries. Because <laughs> to him, it was just, I just push this button and I keep getting Smurf oh, yeah. berries. Yeah, he doesn't, yeah. Oh my God. I called Apple about it and got them to refund it. <laughs> the same thing happened to Jack Black, actually. He, he tells a story on one of those late oh, nights. Oh, wow. Um, Theme Forest, that is one where... Uh, that's another example of a, uh, a service product where you've got to buy credits. So you can... You buy X number of... Um, well, you, you do a deposit into your wallet and then you use that money to buy you know, uh, uh, website templates and things like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a, almost like a subscription or like a, it's like a funding method essentially. Mm -hmm. There's something about credits. I, I, cause in some cases I don't like it. Some people in the comments here are saying, I don't like that system. Um, but like this Starbucks app is really, uh, it's just convenient to have it reload. And so, I don't mind it so much. And then instead of, um, you know, I use this primarily for business and travel. And so when I'm doing my my um, expense statements, instead of having to do expense reports for $2 coffees, I can just, it's just one bulk payment, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, let's get back to the feedback we got here. So quite a few folks said we should reexamine our pricing. Remember I told you we were going to talk about this on the podcast? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, because we had like a 45-minute conversation before we recorded yeah, and then about we, it. And then we were like, no, let's and save then we it. we ran out of time. <laughs> yeah. But then we were like, let's save it for the podcast and like, yeah. like get kind of raw and real. Right now, if, if you haven't listened to our pricing episodes, we did a, a series of three where we talked to Patrick Campbell from Price Intelligently and Rob Walling and a bunch of other folks about what should our initial model be. And their suggestion was 
your primary cost center is downloads, kind of. It's actually bandwidth, but downloads is a good proxy. And the primary value that your customers want is downloads. They want more listeners. They want influence. They want to connect with an audience. And, you know, I know just from listening to our customers on chat that a lot of them are kind of aiming for, especially when they're starting a new show, a thousand downloads per episode. Can't wait till I get to a thousand downloads per episode. That's what our pricing is based on right now. But right. we, so we, we have tiers where you get X number of downloads per month per tier. Some folks said, you know, I honestly think that that is a impediment to people signing up. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? What's kind of your initial I, I mean, response? I, yeah, I think that was sort of my concern going into that when we started it. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like we've had some, we've had some concerns from people. Not, not a lot. I mean, some, some people are like, what is it? What, what happens when I get to a number? Do I, do I get charged a bunch of money and I mm-hmm. up, automatically upgraded? Like, um, it seems like that's not enough, but, but also, I mean, they don't, they don't have a show yet. Some of these people are, are looking to transfer yeah. and they have a show and they know what their audience is and, and it would be quite a bit more expensive for them, I think, coming from where they're, you know, moving from. Yeah. Um, but, but it's also like, I think you had even mentioned this prior to us, um, recording was it's one of those things where like people will vote against in, in America anyway, vote against their own best interests. So they vote, they vote for the, let's say the party that's going to give a bunch of tax cuts to the rich and they, they want to be rich because that's the American dream, but they don't necessarily... I don't know. They're not there yet. Like they're not going to get any benefit from it. Yeah. Yeah. This, it is, it's tricky. I think we do need, we definitely need to tweak our pricing. And when I put myself in a customer mindset, I definitely understand that, you know, even if you're starting a new show and you have no downloads, you eventually, if, if you said, well, you have the choice between getting 20,000 downloads and 500 downloads, I think most folks want 20,000 downloads. And yeah. so even though you're not there yet, you still have this dream of getting there. And so you, you, know, you don't want to be have this idea of a future tax if you get successful. Right, right, right. And so I think there is some tweaks we can do there. For example, you know, I have some, we both have friends that have very successful podcasts that you know, they're looking at our tiers and they're like, well, you don't even have a tier for us. Like we can't even, we can't even. Yeah. How do we? Yeah. Get in there. Where where do we fit, and how how are we going to afford to pay what you want to charge us based on downloads? That, yeah. yeah, exactly. So we're figuring that out now. I will say that the nineteen dollar a month plan for unlimited shows up to five thousand downloads per month. A lot of people really like that when, especially when they're exploring. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're, they're creating, you know, they create one show and then they're like, oh, I should create another show. And they might try two, three, four, five shows. Or they have archive shows that don't get a lot of downloads, but they want to keep it. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. they, I think it, people seem to really like that. And, uh, 
I think I was even looking the other day. We we have very few customers out of you know, out of let's see how many shows we have. And sorry, I see all these folks in the chat here. We actually have uh, Ben has a a bunch of questions. Actually, while I'm looking this up, uh, this is this this is a good technical question. Does Transistor do streaming or just download? That's the first question. Okay. The second question is also from Ben. Is one download the same as one minute streamed? First question is: Do we do streams or downloads? We do downloads. Uh, you can stream it. I mean, you can. Uh, I'll use Overcast as an example. You can play it in Overcast without downloading it to your phone, which would essentially be streaming it from the server, but it will buffer it way ahead. So it's going to download the whole thing. Yeah. But uh, it might, you only might play some of it. So just to be clear, in, in our lexicon, a stream, quote unquote, is the same as a download. Exactly. And and so what counts as a download? A lot of people ask that. Like if if someone just downloads, you know, if someone just streams on Overcast like mm-hmm. 30 seconds. Yep. Does that count as a download? That it does. It counts as a download. Um because we really currently do not have a way to know that they streamed or downloaded some or all of it. Mm-hmm. There's probably ways to figure that out. I will say that repeated repeated streams or downloads from the same IP address and and time of day are not counted twice so you could technically like uh let's say if i'm at at work and i listen to it i listen to the same episode twice in a row on a website within the same couple hours it's not going to count as double downloads mm mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's a little tricky. I mean, downloads are initiating a file download on the internet. Like you can sometimes tell when it finished, but sometimes not. So yeah, right now, right now for us, the the simplest metric is just a stream is a download. And I believe, so I've been look, I've been working on the Spotify analytics that we can pull in from Spotify, uh, for the shows that use our Spotify integration. And they, they call them streams, but they don't indicate uh, whether or not they were fully listened to or not. Yeah. So for them, a stream is a download, and for us, a download is a stream, and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. So and and some uh, podcast hosts use uh, like plays. So a download listens, yeah. equals a play or plays listen. or listens. Just to just to back go backwards a bit in terms of business model, we're still figuring this out. What does success look like for our customers? And you know, if we are the podcast hosting and analytics company for brands, for companies, for personal brands, uh, what kind of success are they looking for? And, you know, the answer is, you know, it probably varies, but, you know, I know, for example, uh, Joe, Wor- Joe Workman, who has Weaver Radio, his goal is he's got a big kind of community of customers that buys Rapid Weaver add-ons from him. And the more he teaches them, the more value he gives them, the more income he earns. So every time he gives, he gets something back. And he does, you know, free 
conferences, he'll do talks, he'll do blog posts. So for him, this is just one more way to serve the community he's already serving. And the more he invests in that, the more he gets back. And so, you know, he, he, he wants a reasonable number of downloads, I'm guessing. And actually, Joe, if you're listening, you can, you can let us know if I'm, if I'm kind of getting to it here or not. But I think everyone's got an idea of what kind of, what kind of value they're looking for. And it's not always like every 500 downloads I get, I get X number of revenue. Although some people might be like that. They just know, you know, every time we increase the number of listeners we get, we increase the number, uh, the amount of Patreon income we get or what have you. I think maybe we have to do more research there basically to figure that out is what value are they looking for? And, you know, are they getting that right now? Mm -hmm. How does that, how does that fit into our pricing tiers? Are there different sets of features or, you know, yeah, features that we could segment out into other tiers that would provide different value for different sets of people? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's all, it's all on the table. Just as a, uh, the, to, to give folks perspective here, we have very few out of the 286 shows we currently host. We have very few since we, we did early access in January. We launched publicly in August. We have very few that are over 100,000 total downloads. And so most of our customers are still playing in uh, a smaller space. And again, we've heard from some of them that are like, this is great. Uh, I think we talked about Nate and he does a real estate podcast and he, you know, not a ton of listeners, but he's already gotten two clients out of it. And he's, yeah. you know, he's happy as pie. That's huge. Yeah. I mean, that pays for it probably 10, 20 times over, right? Yeah, maybe the answer is we need to do more research uh, on that piece there. Yeah, so I think I think that's kind of our thinking right now as we're responding to you know that episode. Uh, it was great to get all that feedback. If you have more feedback you want to send us, just reach out on one of the channels. Uh, help at transistor.fm. That will get into our queue, right? Support support at transistor.fm oh, support. <laughs> we could we could alias that sure <laughs> support at transistor.fm if you want to uh, give us some feedback or reach out to us on twitter etc i want to give john some time in the last few minutes here to do some app updates so uh yeah. and for any of you watching live i'm going to show you the one thing i'm really excited about but john you go ahead and start talking so the the biggest, uh, the biggest change that we rolled out a few days ago was um, this new integrations page or integrations tab within the dashboard. Um, that sort of adds a couple new features and moves a couple other ones to this area, and we'll, we'll keep adding to it. Um, so the idea is we have an integrations page. That's where you go to sort of connect your show to Spotify. That's where you go to connect uh, your show to your mailing list or newsletter of choice that you use. And it also adds two new ones, which allows you to uh, connect Transistor to Twitter, to your Twitter account, and your Google account, uh, which allows you to, one, uh, auto-tweet 
an episode to your Twitter account as when it's published. So let's say you publish it, whatever, 10 a.m. It's going to tweet out around then, maybe a minute after, um, with a link to your show page. Yep. And with YouTube and Google, what you do is you sign in with your Google account, choose your YouTube channel that you want to sync with, and it will automatically publish your episode to YouTube. Uh, it'll convert the audio to a video file and add like a, a static background image that you can choose. Yeah. Um, add in add in the summary and a couple like uh, another link to your to your web page, and uh, that's kind of it. Uh, is it for the integrations tab? YouTube is not live for everyone yet. I think we're going to test it out for us with this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe by the time you hear this, it'll be live. Yeah. yeah. And uh, obviously this is our, our first iteration of this. So um, let us know if you have any feedback. Things like for auto tweeting, we don't ha- allow you to edit the tweet yet, but it'd be cool to allow you to edit what's sent out mm-hmm. um, and drop in like little placeholders for the name of the show, the name of the episode, a link to your, to your uh, episode. Yeah, and uh, same with YouTube. We have a, there's a limited amount of, of content you can put in the description, but you can um, you can link to certain things, and maybe we can allow some edits to that. I'm I'm super excited about this, and I I, I posted a, a tease about it, and people were just equally ecstatic because yeah, I hope I hope people like it. Yeah, I think I mean people already like the idea of it. So yeah, the one, I mean the one thing that was surprising to me is that people listen to these things on YouTube. Yes, and I know people listen to music on YouTube a lot, but I didn't I just didn't realize. That. Yeah, well, and some folks, uh, Joe Workman is another example of this. Uh, he had an existing audience that he'd built up on YouTube, and so he just wants to reach those people where they're at. And, um, yeah. instead of getting them to subscribe on a different platform, he just wants to be able to say, Hey, here's the episode already. And he's doing it manually. He's having to re-render, uh, I think Curtis, uh, what, what's Curtis? I, I don't know how to say his last name. Uh, Curtis McCall, uh, McCall. Uh, he also said, um, that was his response on Twitter was, Oh, thank goodness. Now I don't have to render twice. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, to be fair, like you're not uploading a, a motion video. Mm-hmm. It is a it's a a static background, but you know, we could eventually do things like uh, you know, add in a slideshow or whatever. You can multi- upload multiple images and tie together different things that maybe are timed to pieces of the show. So that's the that's the biggest latest feature that we finished. A couple of other small ones that we rolled out. Another big one that's in the works that should actually be done pretty soon that I made some headway on is uh, free SSL for everyone for their hosted websites with custom domains. So we're going to use uh, Let's Encrypt to do that. So basically it's like, you don't have to do anything. You point your custom domain to Transistor and it like auto just auto generates an SSL certificate for you. So it's all all encrypted in SSL mm-hmm. all the way, all the way down. So that'll, that'll be cool. Yeah. I am so excited about that. That is, it's just like, that's just another one of those things that when uh, WP engine added that, that feature um, where you, you can just automatically add SSL and not have to pay for it. SSL right. sorts used to be so much money. Uh, mm-hmm. They used to always expire on people and now let's encrypt has improved all of that. And if we can offer it to it for people for free and now their podcast site and 
you have to understand that podcast websites, I mean, in some ways, you could make an argument that you don't even need a blog. Just record your podcast, use the script uh, to automatically transcribe it, mm-hmm. put the, the transcription in the in your show notes area, and now you've got a blog that also has an audio playback button. Right. And so to make that uh, secure and just like any other website you would have makes sense, right? Right. So that's cool. Um, the other thing is Spotify analytics, which will be, um, we'll start pulling those into our system. So if you see a jump in your downloads and you use Transistor, that's probably why, because those are not in Transistor yet, because they're external to our our system. But we'll pull in, we'll basically end up pulling in your Spotify analytics uh, every day from the previous day. Mm-hmm. So they'll they'll start showing up um, in like you know the previous day's analytics. Oh, that'll be really cool. Yeah, that's like one of those things. Once we can get more insight into these players, um, again podcasting is always going to be open. It's always going to be on this open uh, platform called RSS, but some of the players will share their data. And when they do, it can be helpful. It's interesting to know how far people listen and all that. Right. So yeah, sweet. Um, well, there we go. Do you think we, re- I think we recaptured some of that magic. I think so yeah, that, I think we did. That, that we had before. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good comeback. Good comeback. Um, I have, I've got to go pick up, uh, I've got to drive my son to army cadets. So I got to end it here. All right. Okay. But thanks everyone for listening and we will see you next Tuesday. Sorry, this, uh, sorry, this episode's late. We'll, we'll be back on track next Tuesday. All right. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm Justin and get 15% off your first year.